It's a time for music and celebration. I was glad to uh, be able to be at the Gaither and hear uh, the singers down at the Nazarene Church. Uh, and uh, was certainly a, a blessing. And uh, I believe Bill Gaither is 86 now and uh, still seems to have a lot of energy and uh, he, he lets the younger ones go ahead with some of the more energetic stuff and uh, of course Mark Lowry is stirring up as much laughter as he can and never know what Mark's going to do but uh, it, was, it was wonderful to hear that and it's nice to hear this children's choir so you never you do not have any any in any other, we will say, religion, although the Christian religion we know is a relationship, and I do not diminish that, but there is no other religion that has the music that Christianity has. When I was over at Israel, they have the whale uh, that comes to call people to prayer, uh, these towers and minuets or whatever they call them that uh, screech out the, the call for prayer. We've actually had some of that established uh, in the United States of America, whether you realize it or not. Uh, but uh, for beautiful music and expression of the tidings that make our hearts sing and rejoice in the fact that we have a savior there is no there is no equal to the music that we have so we praise god for music across the ages that has come uh, think of handel's messiah and uh, you think of Isaac Watts and others that have written for us, and we certainly are blessed in that regard. It all began, didn't it, in the book of Luke, where Luke records song after song that uh, was sung, uh, whether put to music or whether it uh, was a spontaneous expression of words as the heart gave melody to the wonderful thing that was taking place, that Christ was being, was coming into this world, being born, coming to this world. So this morning we're going to look at part two of what does Christ incarnation mean to you. Um, in other words, why did God become human? In other words, why did God become human? And when we, when we looked at it last week, um, I attempted to uh, show from Scripture, Jesus the Christ is divine and came to reveal God the Father to us. I tried to do that. I hope I did part of, part of it. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, today, 
Once again, thanks in part to Dr. David Case. We will look at another reason for his coming. So this is in part, it's not something I copied off from David Case, but had the idea that was spurred by some of the things that he wrote. And so David Case would not lay any claim, I'm sure, to anything that I have to say. He could say it much better. But uh, we take what we can and use it to the glory of God and give credit where credit is due. And so we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. So if you'll stand with me, we will read that scripture this morning. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, I certainly admit this morning that I'm inadequate to expound upon this, but Lord, we'll do the best we can to bring glory to you for the great thing that you have caused to happen, which is coming into our world and becoming one of us so that we could go to heaven to be with you. Lord, we thank you for that, and we ask, dear Lord, for the special superintendents of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us in what we say and in the congregation and how they receive and what they think. And Lord, uh, may truth be imparted through the operation of the Holy Spirit as he works in our hearts and minds. We thank you again. Thank you for this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated for the message.
as we read here in chapter 10 of Hebrews, it's not hard to come up with point number one, all humanity needed a remedy for sin. Now there was a prescription given by law and that prescription was that there had to be sacrifices and offerings given. And those sacrifices and offerings, when uh, were, they were initiated and as they were carried out through the centuries, resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands, if, if not millions of animals. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the magnificent temple that he built, the one that David had planned for but was not able to build because he was a, a man of war, the Bible tells us that there were scores of animals that were offered. Uh, there were other times when there were great numbers of animals that were sacrificed and when uh, they had to revert to even uh, secondary ways to sacrifice these animals because you're literally talking about butchering animals. And uh, so uh, there had to be uh, sharp knives. There had to be, be people uh, that were there to uh, take these sacrifices and, and there had to be a fire kept going so that they could, they could offer these animals and they had to be divided. You know, uh, our own Mosier IGA. Wow, how about that? Mosier IGA even got in my sermon this morning. Uh, uh, they make their money because they butcher a lot of the, a lot of the butchering they do themselves. Uh, I'm not saying they butcher themselves, but a lot of butchering that they do, they 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 cut the meat. And I realize, yeah, you can go and Falters has packaged meats there and so forth, and hawk hawks and so forth. But uh, they've they've kind of edged out some of the cost of paying a, a company to butcher. They can cut the cuts and put them in the showcase. And there are a few other places like that. Um, and I, won't, I, I could go into detail, but that's not part of my message, so I won't. But uh, it takes some time to do that. It takes some skill to do that, to know how to make the cut to know how to, how to sever the various pieces of an animal and to offer them. Uh, but with all of that and with all, of, with all the, the deaths of animals that, were, that gave their lives as sacrifices, uh, the Hebrew writer, the preacher of Hebrews says uh, that this was just a hint of things that were going to come. Um, it was a shadow uh, of the very image of the things uh, that were going to take place. That those animal sacrifices 
were not an end in themselves. The people were required by law to do it, and to do it meant they were being obedient to God. But they were inadequate, is what the Hebrew writer is saying. Uh, they were inadequate uh, because they came up short. Uh, when, uh, when they offered these sacrifices, uh, we're, we're told that they still had a guilty conscience, didn't they? It says it, says it could not purge their, their conference or com- their conscience. Uh, the worshipers in verse 2, uh, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. They still had a guilty conscience. And we've read elsewhere in the scripture that not all sins could be forgiven in this manner. We read in the New Testament that there were some things that could not be forgiven. Uh, So they still had a guilty conscience. Uh, And then the way the system worked itself, it had to be repeated every year. So every year they had to think, you know, yeah, we're guilty. We've done, we've done these things, and they had, to, they had to once again offer sacrifice on the Day of, of, of Atonement. And so uh, it was inadequate. Um, I like what uh, Dr. Cockrell said in the Wesley Commentary. Uh, he said uh, that animal blood could not remove human sin. Animal blood could not remove human sin. Now they, they were being obedient, and as far as they were able to do what God had told them to do, then he accepted that sacrifice on their behalf, and yes, uh, they were accepted then by God. But uh, the Hebrew writer actually goes back to a psalm, uh, and it's back in the Old Testament in Psalms. It's a psalm of David, and uh, the Hebrew writer talks about uh, what was said when the Lord came, when the Lord Jesus came into the world. Uh, He said... uh, in, look in, ver, in chapter 40 of Psalms, and remember there's a difference in what is quoted over in our New Testament from what is quoted in the Old Testament. Now, why is that? Well, most of you know that the quotations in the New Testament were taken from the Greek translation of the New Testament, the Greek translation of the Hebrew and then we got it. Uh, so it changes. So that was the Greek translation. Uh, so there's some, you'll see some difference in the wording, but the thought is still the same. Uh, he says here in chapter 40 of Psalms, or division 40 in verse 6, Sacrifice an offering thou didst not desire, or you didn't take pleasure in it. We know that God commanded it. 
Mine eyes hast thou, mine ears hast thou opened. So some translations say, uh, my ears uh, you have you have pierced. Uh, that's that's not a good translation. My ears you have opened, as it says here. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. So in other words, it was not adequate. God did command it, but command it, but it was not adequate. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. So where the where one translation says that my ears you have pierced, it makes you think about the earlobe and piercing and for earrings and so forth. But when you think of my ears you have opened, there have been cases I've been involved with where people needed to have their ears cleaned out, where their ears actually had to be opened. Uh, when I was being uh, fitted for hearing aids, the audiologist looked in my ears to see how much wax, but he didn't find much because my mother taught me years ago to dig that out like a dictator's and get that voice rag in there. She, she would hurt me when she got that voice rag in there and peel that around in my ear. So this is what actually gets, has more meaning, doesn't it? You have opened my ears. You, you've made me hear something I couldn't hear before. And so uh, he says, uh, he carries this over, and I'm, I'm gonna go back over to Hebrews uh, where uh, he says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world. Now we're talking about Jesus coming and taking human flesh. When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And so we see the perfect obedience of Jesus or the Logos, the Word, as he came into the world. Before, before he had a body, he was willing to do this. So you have, you have the psalmist saying that, and, and this is David, uh, that he could understand that God wanted obedience, not sacrifice. An animal had nothing to do with obedience. They trapped them and they examined them. If the animal could opt out of it, he would have. Of course, we have that silly tradition in America that the president pardons uh, two or three turkeys or whatever so they don't have to be a Thanksgiving meal and probably by the time they get old and can't walk, they wish we, they would have been a meal for somebody. Uh, but um, anyway, 
Christ willed to do this. Christ willed, the word willed to do this. So it was, it was his obedience that he demonstrated when he came into this world. Uh, you recall what uh, Samuel said to Saul in the Old Testament? Now you could get kind of sidetracked if you don't realize that there's a Saul in the New Testament. And that Saul becomes Paul, but there's a Saul that's a king in the Old Testament. And if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 32, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 32, um, the Saul, the king, had been disobedient. He was supposed to have killed the king Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and uh, uh, he, he didn't do it. And uh, the scripture says that Samuel told him that uh, obedience, obedience was better than sacrifice. Saul had said, um, this, this is, this, the, these animals that I did not slay and, uh, and God said to slay them as well as the, as this king, I've saved them so I can offer them as a sacrifice. And Samuel said, uh, that is not pleasing to God because obedience is better than sacrifice. And uh, so uh, he did not obey, verse 19 says, he did not obey the voice of the Lord. And he's, he's claiming to, to Samuel, I've done what the Lord said. Um, and so he, he even lies about it and says, I did what the Lord told me to do. And verse 22 says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so Samuel straightened Saul out very quickly on what he had done, that it was not acceptable. But here we have... Christ being fully obedient because it was the plan of God that a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice would be provided. And the only perfect that there is, is God himself. There would not be, we can say that Adam was sinless, but Adam forfeit that position when he yielded to the voice of Eve. And so uh, there was no one to be a perfect sacrifice for us. So the, when we read this, we realize that Jesus or the Christ, the Logos, was perfectly obedient when he came into the world. Uh, 
if you notice in this scripture reading, uh, when we get down to verse 10, the preacher says to us in verse 10, <coughs> by the which will we are sanctified or made holy through the offering of the body, and he doesn't say of Christ by itself there. He says the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And we know that Christ is not his last name. That's his position. He's the anointed one. So Jesus, the one, the human, that is what this is emphasizing, the human Jesus that came to be our sacrifice. And so, uh, we all needed a sacrifice. The old system was inadequate, inadequate. And God's way through Christ, through the human Jesus, is perfect. And he's all that we need. Uh, so... He was obedient in coming into the world, and we, we, we sing those songs um, down from his glory, don't we? Uh, when we read in Philippians, it's called the humiliation of Jesus when he stepped down from glory and became a human being and desired to take our pain upon himself and actually opened himself to insult and ridicule without ever responding in an unholy way. He told the truth, whether people wanted to hear it or not, and we're told that he witnessed a good profession before Pontius Pilate because he did, did not deny who he was he said what he was, and he admitted to the high priest when he said, I adjure you by God that you tell me, are you, are you the son of God? He said, I am. And that's when the high priest rent his clothes. So Christ was perfect in every situation. And obedient, he desired to come into this world he was obedient through all of his life. Nobody else can claim the level of obedience, perfect obedience that Jesus had when he was here on this earth because he is sinless and he challenged anyone that wanted to show him where he had committed any sin. He said, can any of you Show me where I have sinned. Nobody could. Remember how they tried to trap him time and time again. And yet, he could withstand all their assaults on him. And he could stand on the fact that he lived a perfect life. He did not shrink when it came to the cross, did he? So he was obedient in coming into the world... 
He was obedient in every facet of his life as he walked the land of Israel. He was obedient when it came to death and professed who he was and what his purpose was. My kingdom is not of this world, he said. He is a king, but not a king of this world. And so he professed a good profession. So he was, he was obedient in every aspect of his life. So the, the scripture tells us that it's not in the different chemistry of blood between animal and human. That is not why Jesus' sacrifice is accepted. It is because of his will. He willed to do what he did. An animal had no choice. Jesus willed to do that. He willed to do that for you and for me. He chose to do it. And at any time, he could have reversed that if he'd have chosen to. But he did not reverse it. He said, I could ask my father, and he would send me, we say 10,000 angels, don't we? But it was more than that. 12 legions of angels, if I ask him. Uh, so he did not, because he wanted to be our Savior. It was his will that he was exercising. And so... Uh, the, the difference is in the fact that he offered himself willingly. Um, he said uh, that in verse 10, uh, he, he, he goes to the fact that we are, we are sanctified or made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He doesn't say the blood there. He says through the offering of the body. So we're thinking of we're thinking of the passion of the Christ, aren't we? That his body was racked with pain. Think of an animal that was sacrificed. That was that was just, you know, we call it a humane death. Um, if, if an animal has to be put down, you do it as quickly as possible so they don't experience the pain. Uh, in Jesus' case, it was not an instantaneous death, was it? He suffered for untold time because the sufferings he went through are looked at as the divine suffering the untold agonies of millions who were disobedient to God and who had rightful, rightly been judged guilty with hell as their end. But Jesus had to suffer. The, the scripture teaches us that. Not like an animal uh, quickly bled out and quickly out of pain, but he had to suffer for us. So when we are disobedient or when we have been disobedient, the Bible tells us that once again 
we crucify the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So our disobedience causes him pain. Our disobedience caused him pain on the cross as he looked forward to our redemption. Well, what a, what a great Savior we have. He was willing to come. And so he showed his will. He showed his determination to do God's will, to do the will of the Heavenly Father. Uh, the Bible tells us that no one is righteous, that we, none of us can claim that we do not have sin. And so uh, as we think about scriptures like uh, Isaiah 53, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. Uh, so every one of us, every one of us have gone astray and been disobedient. Uh, Psalm 53, David, and we can say David messed up pretty big time. Psalm 53, 3 says, every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Proverbs says, who can say, this is Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from sin. And we know the answer is, no one can say that. And Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Years ago, I was trying to get across to a man at Kenton that all of our good deeds cannot purchase salvation for us. We think, we think we're dressed up in our Sunday best, <laughs> and we're good enough. We can stand before God. I had a man a couple weeks ago tell me, I'm, I'm ready to die, and he's, he's guilty of fornication, living in sin. But he's, he's, ready, he's ready to go. He's ready to meet God. And it's amazing how people can lie to themselves and say, I'm ready. I'm dressed up, and I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm in, good, I'm in good apparel to stand before God. My righteousness is going to get me through. So that Sunday morning when I went to church, I, you know your preacher rings every bit of life he can out of most clothes. I had an old tattered pair of coveralls that had been patched. They were in bad shape. Uh, they, were, they were clean. They were not dirty. But they, they had been awfully dirty before. And probably if you'd looked inside the, the tears, you'd probably found some hay and you'd probably found plenty of dirt. If you'd, you know, once in a while I'd dump one of them over and, and stuff silts out of there and back in the creases and crevices. But the scripture tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So I put those old coveralls on and I preached on the fact that our righteousness 
is like filthy rags to God. Well, he did. The man did find Christ as his Savior. So I once again wrung the last bit of life out of those old coveralls. <laughs> Somebody got saved because of it. So uh, no one can get to heaven on their own righteousness. James tells us that if we offend in one point, in James 2, 10, and 11, then we're guilty of all. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 22, 15, that the unjust are going to be outside, uh, that there's no entrance for them. But aren't you glad for 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 to 11 that tells us that, yeah, there's, there's, there were those in that church that had sinned and were guilty of terrible things. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, people that cheat on their taxes, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such like that person, you know, that wrote to the IRS and said, please take me off of your mailing list. Well, you know, it just don't work that way, does it? And such were some of you. That is past, but you are washed. And folks, we want to walk in the light as he is in the light. If we've done wrong, we need to try by his grace to walk in his way. But you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Yes, he came because we needed a sacrifice for our sin, an adequate, sufficient sacrifice for our sin. And so he came to offer himself for us and to give his life so that we could go to heaven. <clears throat> what, a, what a beautiful thought that when he came into, into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not. In the volume of the book, I like what Adrian Rogers says about this book, this Bible. He said, you can cut that Bible anywhere and it will bleed. In other words, anywhere in this Bible, you don't have to look very far before you find the promise of Jesus coming to take our sins on himself. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad he did? That's what I have for you this morning. Stand with me if you would. <clears throat>